Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the invisible people who make or break the customer experience, why we love and can't stand calling customer service, and health insurance that actually speaks our language. Invisibility, availability, and readability. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Today's CX Press article comes from a customer service expert named Jeff Toyster. The article found on his website at toystersolutions.com is called The Outsized Impact of Invisible Service Providers. Hey, Dan, real quick, before we get into this too much, when you say invisible service providers, I'm not entirely sure that everyone's going to know what that means. Can you describe us to us what an invisible service provider is? Well, thank you for asking that, Joey. I appreciate it. An invisible service provider is actually somebody who the customer never sees or even interacts with, but who has a giant outsized impact on that customer's overall experience. Makes perfect sense. So for example, when someone stays at a hotel, an invisible service provider example might be the housekeeper that's taking care of the room that they're staying at in the hotel. Exactly. And that is one example that Jeff uses in his article. And he particularly pointed out one housekeeper that left a personal note to him, which included her name and included a mint on his pillow. But he also gave some other examples that were ones I hadn't really thought of, like a baggage handler on an airplane or a dishwasher at a restaurant. Or think about all of the people who touch every single package you order from Amazon before it arrives at your door. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because I I have to admit, as you know, I stay in a lot of hotels and I always do my best to tip the housekeeper at the hotels I'm staying. But I never really thought about the dishwashers at the restaurants I eat at or all the people that must touch an order that I place from Amazon because we get a lot of deliveries from Amazon, as I know you do as well. Well, Jeff explains that these invisible service providers have a huge impact on the overall experience because when they fail at doing their job, the customer notices, even if they've never interacted with that person. So imagine losing your baggage after a flight or getting a dirty plate at a restaurant. And when these things go wrong, it's usually some other employee that has to handle the problem with the customer, which then, of course, adds cost to the company and, of course, aggravation to the customer. You know, this this makes so much sense. There, I, I think lots of times companies have a tendency to forget 
the large variety and range of people who contribute to the overall customer experience. And I love the suggestions that Jeff makes in the article about making your invisible employees more visible. You know, one of those examples, he talks about restaurants putting a video monitor into the kitchen so that the cooks could see the customer. And what, what was fantastic about this is that the customer satisfaction actually increased dramatically in these restaurants, even though they didn't necessarily know that this was going on. So how cool is that? Uh, also, software companies having developers spend time answering support tickets. So they're not the ones who actually work in support, but they're getting that exposure to the customers and seeing them. And airlines having baggage handlers attend customer service training alongside the gate agents, even though the baggage handler will rarely ever come into contact with a customer directly, having them go through that training is a great way to get that exposure. You know, in almost every job I've had, Joey, I've had the experience of sitting with customer service agents in a call center and listening to calls. And there is nothing better to understand both what your customers are actually saying and also the life of this invisible service provider and how they do their jobs and how they interact with customers. So I definitely recommend to people that they do that. How, have you uh, done that as well, Joey? I have, you know, and you know, it's funny when you mentioned that it, it brought back a memory. It, it's such a simple thing. I actually years ago, and it's important for me to emphasize Many years ago, I worked in the White House. And uh, one of the cool things is my boss required, I, I worked as a lawyer, and our boss required us to go down and work the phones at the, there's a phone number you can dial to leave a message for the president. And we were required to go down and work those phones at least once a quarter for at least an hour. And he was adamant that we needed to keep in regular uh, consciousness of the fact that we were there to serve the American people. And he wanted us to remember that by talking to actual citizens who were calling in, asking questions about their government and, you know, registering their opinions about how the government was being run or what they were doing or not doing. And it was such a little thing, but it really, every time I did it, it helped me to kind of recommit to the job. And I think it's something that's so easy for employers to do is to get every employee that you have in front of customers on a regular basis to allow for a special type of connection, not only for the employee, but then the customers actually realize that there are a lot of people contributing to them receiving the product or the service that they want and how all of these folks kind of work together to make that happen. Totally agree. And every time I've spent time in a call center, I always come back to my desk with like a hundred things that I want to do because I'm very inspired by what I've heard. So let's jump to the key takeaways of Jeff's article. And of course, as always, we'll leave a link in the show notes at www.experiencethisshow.com. So the key takeaways are be sure to identify the invisible service providers in your business. Then Offer them customer service or customer experience training since their roles include providing these things. So if they don't know how to provide good service or a good experience, then how can you expect them to do so in their role? And then, as Joey mentioned, find ways to make these really important people more visible, even if it's not live and in person. I think the example of the handwritten note on the hotel room pillow is a great one to emulate. Are there any parts of your customer experience where you could have some invisible service provider leave a note to one of your customers, for example? Sometimes the customer experience is amazing. 
And sometimes we just want to cry. Get ready for the roller coaster ride in this edition of I Love It! I Can't Stand It! Welcome to another edition of I Love It! I Can't Stand It! One of my favorite segments, Joey. And today, we're going to be talking about something that I know every one of our listeners has experienced at one time or another. And that is contacting customer service. Ah, the joy and horror. Now, I know it doesn't matter how you contacted customer service. It could be via telephone, email, chat, social media, message app, smoke signals, however you do it. These are some things that we love and can't stand about doing so. And I'm very excited that as soon as we're done sharing our loves and can't stands, we're going to be hearing from you. So, Joey, why don't you get us started with something that you love? You know, Dan, this is so straightforward and simple. I love it when I call a company and a human being actually picks up the phone. I understand the benefit of having things go to a phone tree or having a pre-recorded message, but there's just something a little nostalgic, old-fashioned, and makes you feel human when you actually get to talk to a human immediately. Totally, totally agree with that one. I also love it when companies offer me the option to have them call me back when a representative is available. And this just happened to me recently. I think it's a genius solution that fixes one of the biggest pain points of calling in, which is a long hold time. And I would so much rather them say, hey, we're going to call you back in 45 minutes rather than me sit and listen to bad hold music for 45 minutes. So true. Everybody wins. And it makes you feel like you have a little bit of control. I love it. I also love it when companies give me the opportunity to email or to fill out a simple web form uh, on their website. It, as much as I have a tendency to default to liking to talk to people, there's sometimes when there's not enough time and I just want to fire something off or it's like at a weird hour. Uh, you know, I have a tendency to be a night owl. And sometimes I'd love to be able to just ping someone with a customer service request and go to sleep and have the message in my inbox when I wake up. So love the idea of being able to go about what I want to do with my life and have them get back to me later. And related to that, I know this is going to come as absolutely no surprise to you, but I love it when brands respond quickly on social media. What? You're talking about social media, Dan? I know. What a shocker. I'm shocking. Hang on. Let me get up off the floor. Okay, I'm back. All right. But I think it is such a good feeling as a customer to know that a brand is paying attention and willing to help solve my problem quickly and publicly. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. To me, this is the best way for companies to demonstrate publicly that they care about their customers. Absolutely, which is a nice segue, actually, to another thing that I love about it. It's when they actually do care, right? So often when we talk to somebody in customer service, and I get it, I've worked those gigs. I understand that, you know, lots of times as a customer service rep, you're being berated by angry customers and you're dealing with, you know, resource issues and difficulty of being able to solve the problem and you have lots of challenges. But, and I know it's a hard job, but folks, it's also a job you signed up for. So if you work in one of those, roles, try to approach each call or each customer action interaction fresh and show that you care right out of the blocks. Because in my experience, nothing will diffuse an irritated customer faster than quickly feeling that the person they're speaking to hears them and is going to do their best to help them. Even if you don't 
actually accomplish the goal of being able to help them solve their problem. Sometimes people just want to feel heard. Absolutely. You know, I also love it when companies are upfront about their hours of operation or their agent availability. It's okay if you're not available 24-7. It's just not okay to not tell people about that. And so rather than having a click to chat button on your website that's grayed out or sometimes they disappear completely when an agent isn't available. So people are, you know, I saw this button the last time I was here. I wonder where it went. Why not just display the hours of operation on the website so that people don't expect a live agent when one isn't available? And to me, that is such an easy thing. If you set expectations with your customers, then you're able to meet them better. But if you don't share the expectations, then you are subject to their expectations, which might be based on that international airline they just contacted, which is available 24-7. So if you're not available, let them know, and most people are going to understand, but don't let them think that you're available. I had an experience once with a chatbot on Facebook Messenger where I got into some trouble and I said, help. And it said, do you want to talk to customer service? And I said, yes. And then it said, customer service is closed. And it's like, come on, don't offer me that if it's closed. So absolutely. uh, So, okay. So those are the things we love. Uh, Joey, why don't you start us off on things you just can't stand about contacting customer service? What's, what's interesting about this, Dan is as far as the ones that I can't stand, there's some pretty obvious ones here. Uh, And I think the most obvious one is you need to be where your customers are and meet them where they are. Don't try to force your customers into a channel they don't want to use. You know, I defer more to phone calls. I like to have a phone conversation with someone. I like to be able to connect via phone. My wife, for example, is not as quick to use phone. She would rather chat or email. So try your best to meet your customers where they're at. And I think you absolutely need to have a phone solution and you absolutely need to have an email solution. Chat, social, other ways of connecting. Yes, build those in after the fact as your company grows and you have more access to resources and revenues. In the beginning, you got to have phone and you got to have email. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of people ask me, which channels should we be in within social media? And my answer, which some people don't like, is wherever your customers are, and they'll tell you. So another thing that I can't stand, and we've talked about this on the show, is horrible hold music drives me nuts. Now, uh, if you did not hear episode six when we talked about and heard Alex Cornell's awesome I'm on hold song, go back and check it out. But please, people, the 1970s Kenny G. Muzak has got to go. And let's be candid. There's nothing wrong with some soothing Kenny G., Just not when I'm on hold and trying to talk to a company about a problem I have with their product or service, right? Save that for the easy listening late at night when you have nothing else to do. Um, Another thing that drives me crazy is when the customer service agent is neither empowered enough nor educated enough to solve my problem. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Lots of times you talk to a customer service rep and they have no idea how you might have had the problem that you had with their product or their service. I think every company needs to make sure that all of its employees have actually used the product or service. You see this in restaurants all the time. And it, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. It drives me crazy. You go into a restaurant you've never been in because I travel a lot. I find myself in restaurants I've never been in and will probably never go in again. And I'll ask the wait staff, you know, what do you recommend here? And they're like, I don't know. And it quickly becomes apparent that they've never actually eaten the food in the restaurant 
that they work in. Same goes with a product company. If your employees haven't actually used the product, how do you expect them to be able to troubleshoot when a customer has a problem? Additionally, your customer service reps need to be empowered. And all too often we hear, well, there's nothing I can do about that. It's like give your customer service, your call center rep people, you know, incredible, incredible capability to solve problems. And let me tell you, yes, I know that will cost your business, but the reward and the return on that investment will absolutely blow your mind. Totally agree. Uh, you know, as I was listening to you in my head, I was still stuck on being hold on, on hold, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> but, you know, what I can't stand uh, when I'm on hold is when that ridiculous message repeats over and over again that my that my call is really important to them. You know what? If it was that important, I wouldn't be sitting on hold, right? So true. So true. And we're right on the verge of me swearing on the podcast, which is something no, that I promised it. I wouldn't do. But we're so close. I mean, it's like, come on, people. You're lying to us when you say the call is important to us, but you're not treating us like we're important. Just stop doing that. Along that same vein, uh, something I can't stand is when the message says, we're experiencing unusual call volume. And I've called at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Pacific, right? So it's like no one should be awake at this time, right? No one in North America is awake. I'm calling a U.S.-based company, and they're saying they're getting unusual call volume. No, you have that message on every time I call you. Go out and hire some more reps. Just do it. Or even better, if you can't do that, just eliminate the unusual call volume thing because everyone who's listening and waiting on hold knows that that's total BS. Stop doing it. Totally agree. Sometimes saying nothing at all is a whole lot better. Exactly. The last thing I can't stand is when companies hide their contact information. And there are some very high profile companies that have done this for a very long time. And to me, it's really obvious what they're doing. And frankly, it tells me that they don't want to hear from me. And as a customer, that's kind of offensive to me because when I have an issue that I need resolved, I want them to help me. And I've said this before as well, but you know, when customers have complaints and they share complaints with you, that generally is a good thing because the ones that don't share their complaints are already off using your competitor instead. And so do not hide ways to contact you because you're trying to save money. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like anything else that if you, you know, denial is not an answer, right? If you try to just, uh, you know, close the door and, and hope that the monster on the other side isn't really there, uh, it's still there. And when, when companies decide that they don't want to hear from their customers, I just think that's really bad business. I, I totally agree. And what I will say about this, and you kind of triggered me into something I wasn't going to talk about, but I have to now. Three times in the last 24 hours, I've tried to reach out to someone that I'm in fairly regular contact via email, but I needed to call them and I could not find their phone number. And the reason I couldn't find their phone number is because they don't have it in the signature line of their email. People, if you do nothing else, if you take no other action step listening to this podcast other than this one, go change the signature line of your email and put in your phone number. People will thank you for it. And you don't have to worry. It's not like a ton of people are going to call you. But man, the number one thing I do when I need to get in touch with someone is I quick scan to see if I have their phone number because then I can call and we can get things sorted out. But anyway, those are things that we thought were awesome about dealing with customer service and frankly, not so awesome about dealing with customer service. But now we are super excited to hear from some of our listeners and what they love and can't stand about calling customer service. As you know, we 
are trying to make this show as engaging as possible. We want you to email us and call. And to be candid, in the last two or three weeks, it's been fantastic. We've been getting a lot of emails, a lot of messages on the speak pipe. Keep it up, folks. We want to be able to include you. And so here's some recordings of uh, audience members that called in to let us know what they love and can't stand about calling customer service. Hi, my name is Dana. One thing I love about contacting customer service is when a person is uh, friendly and actually cares about your issue. And one thing I can't stand about contacting customer service is being transferred more than four times. Hi, my name is Kitika, and the one thing I love about contacting customer service is that you are talking and a real human person is listening to you. And the one thing I can't stand about uh, contacting customer service is the very long hold times. Hi, my name is Harry. One thing I love about contacting customer service via social media is in-the-moment channel resolution. Uh, one thing I can't stand about contacting customer service via social media is being directed to traditional contact center channels. My name is John. One thing I love about customer service is when my question or issue is resolved quickly. And one thing I can't stand about customer service is when I need to repeat myself via transfer on a different channel. Thanks so much to our listeners for bringing us those awesome recordings about what they love and can't stand about calling customer service. And if you too would like to have your voice heard on this show, go to www.experiencethisshow.com. Click on any episode and scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little widget called SpeakPipe. It's basically like digital voicemail. Click on it and you can leave us a message. And if you wish, leave us with something that you love and can't stand about some topic. And if it's a topic we haven't covered, we will be sure to cover it in a future episode. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? So I wanted to follow up on a say what segment that we did in episode nine about the healthcare industry and the so-called explanation of benefits. And you may remember that I told the story of a survey of several thousand Americans who were asked to define four healthcare terms. And basically three quarters of America said they could do it. And then when they were asked what the actual definitions were, only 4% said that they actually knew the definitions. Well, after that episode aired, I received a tweet from AE Marketing Group, and they are at AE Marketing on Twitter. And the tweet said, not every healthcare brand uses jargon. In 2012, Network Health Wisconsin committed to speak your language. Today, they lead Wisconsin and national satisfaction quality data with both employees and customers. So fascinated by this response, I jumped over to the Network Health Wisconsin Twitter handle, which is at Network Health WI, and I immediately fell in love. First of all, their profile description says this, and I quote, Health insurance causes people stress. That's beyond ironic. Network health is determined to fix that. So we're here to help, listen, and grow together. Unquote. So I clicked onto their website, and we, of course, will include a link in the show notes at experiencethisshow.com. And I found a terrific dictionary that is called Under Understanding Health Insurance. And get this. The website actually says, we know health insurance is complex, 
Let us translate the jargon so you don't have to. Sound familiar? I absolutely love this. And I love that. Well, uh, there's so many things I love about this. Number one, I love that one of our listeners reached out to make us aware of that. You know, folks, everyone who's listening, you're as much a part of this podcast as Dan and I are. And we love the engagement. We love when you reach out and become part of the experience. Number two, way to tweet at Dan instead of me because he's the tweeter in our family, not me. Uh, number three, I love the fact that health insurance is messy. And these folks at Network Health Wisconsin are doing their best to clean it up. I mean, I spent three years in law school. I spent five years practicing law. So legalese is something that, and I don't say this from a place of ego, but like I've been trained in this, like I'm familiar with this. And I still struggle when I see an explanation of benefits or I see the terminology that health insurance companies are using. It drives me insane. So I love that they've decided, you know, we're going to help our customers understand what these terms mean and the fact that it's on the front of their website. So it's not like you have to be a customer to access this. You could be a customer of another health insurance company and go to their website to understand what your health insurance company is saying. And it's a super easy interface, which I love, where you click and they explain what the word is and they define it. This this was just absolutely fantastic. I was so thrilled to learn about this site. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, just a couple examples. One of my favorites is the word formulary. You know what a formulary, formulary. is? Formulary. It's just a list of drugs that are covered under your plan. Well, why couldn't they just say that? Why do they have to call it a formulary, which sounds so formulary? You know, I mean, like people don't use language like that. It, it goes on to explain the differences between Medicare parts A, B, and D, although I wish that they explained why there was no C. And there were about 70 different definitions on the site, and I thought it was terrific. I agree. One of the ones, and I was just playing around with this, cost-sharing reduction Okay, this is basically a subsidy, right? It's a discount that lowers the amount you pay for your health insurance deductibles. So, uh, you know, it, it, and just the fact that they simply and straightforwardly, I just coined a word, define these words for you and define these phrases, I thought was brilliant. And let's not forget the fact that the tweet said that Network Health Wisconsin leads Wisconsin and the nation in satisfaction quality data with both employees and customers. Folks, this isn't a coincidence. The more you make your customers happy, the more it will make your employees happy. And in, conversely, the more you make your employees happy, the more it will make your customers happy. This is a cycle, right? And you, you, you spend time, effort, and money on one, and it naturally improves the situation for the other. This is pretty straightforward stuff that any company can do. Totally agree. So the takeaways here are very clear. Look out for the jargon in your industry. Every industry has it. It might be difficult, archaic, hard to understand words. It might be acronyms that everyone in your building knows, but no customer knows. And then make sure you find a way to translate these for your customers. It doesn't have to be in the form of a dictionary. If you can, stop using the archaic, hard to understand words and start using words that your customers understand. And remember that customers don't all speak the same industry language that you do. So if you can do that, you will learn that sometimes the simplest words carry the most weight because your customers understand. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. 
So, Joey, this week's number is 78%. What do you think it means? Dan, I'm going to guess that the 78% is referring to the percentage of time that an on-hold message says, your call is very important to us. Awesome. I love that you tied that back. It's probably higher, unfortunately. Doing my best. Doing my best. (laughs) Actually, 78% of customers will drop your business after one poor customer service experience. And this comes to us from our friends at Oracle CX and a study that they highlighted called the 5-9 Customer Service Index. Now, you can find the study at smartercx.com slash experience this. What do you think about that stat, Joey? You know, Dan, we've talked about this time and time again on this show, and I know you talk about it on stage and I talk about it on stage. We are living in an era where the last great differentiator is the experience you give your customers. And the challenge is your customers are now comparing you to every experience they have. So the competition isn't just the other people in your industry or the organization down the street that your customer could go to instead of doing business with you. Your competition is Apple and Amazon, and Netflix, and Tesla, and all the companies out there who are really committed to creating remarkable customer experiences. So the bar is moving. You know, it's lying on the ground right now, but it is moving. And if you're misstepping in creating poor experiences, your customers are going to be leaving. The big problem I see with this, and I think there's some underlying data under this survey, is that the majority of these poor customer experiences are things that could have been easily, easily avoided if the organization that caused the poor experience and lost the customer had a commitment to creating remarkable experiences instead of just doing business as usual. I agree. And for more great customer experience content, be sure to check out smartercx.com slash experience this. SmarterCX by Oracle is the destination for professionals who are building the next generation of customer experience. Here you can find breaking news, in-depth analysis, expert insights, and useful tools that will empower you to think and work progressively. Visit smartercx.com slash experience this wow thanks for joining us for another episode of experience this we know there are tons of podcasts to listen to magazines and books to read reality tv to watch we don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.